Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. I'm John Ledyard, along with me to preview this upcoming Monday night football matchup between the Bucks and the Giants is Scott Thompson. Scott, how are you today? <laughs> I'm doing well, uh, Pete Traeger, so I'm doing really well. Thank you for, that. Yeah, for those people who do not know and maybe are listening to this podcast, Scott, uh, Peter Schrager on Good Morning Football referred to Scott as Scott Thompson, even after Cal Brandt went off about how Scott's question uh, to, in using your full name, saying Scott Reynolds, he went off about yeah. how your question to Brady and is shaking or not shaking Nick Foles' hands after the game. Yeah. Um, but Peter Schrager still went on to refer to you as Scott Thompson, to which Cal Brandt yelled and interrupted him and said, Scott Reynolds, Scott Reynolds. Yeah, yeah. He, he, so now we're, we're calling you my, Scott Thompson. <laughs> my guy, Kyle Brandt, with the correction, which I loved. And that was really cool. So yeah. um, the, the funny thing, I, I told my wife, I said, whenever we check in hotels now, Scott Thompson is going to be my check-in alias. So we're not disturbed <laughs> at, at the hotels whenever we travel. So, so at least I got an yeah, alias yeah. out of that, in, in addition That's to right. several <laughs> mentions. But more importantly, the cool thing was that Peter Report got the call out. Um, that's I'm, true good morning football so we love those guys um you know had a, had a chance to to talk to peter schrager and i actually haven't met kyle brant we we dm from time to time about the buccaneers but um love the show Kay adams certainly you know big nate yeah. so it's it's definitely yeah, a quality they, show we we love them. yeah they um, they have, they have i mean they've football. created yeah they've created one of those like kind of go-to spots for uh football content i think nationally for people and that's yes. uh not easy to do as ESPN knows. Yeah. They're kind of trying yeah. to figure that out for a few years now. And so, well, you know, it, um, it's it's a great mix of entertainment and education about football, right. and that's what we try to do here on the Peter Report podcast for for you Buccaneer fans out there. So, thank you all for tuning in live. The great thing is, is if you if you come in and you miss any part of the show, or if you just miss it all together because it's you know you have to work, um, which is kind of a bummer. But if that's the case, you can go to our Peter Report channel on. YouTube, Peter Report TV, and you can watch every episode over and over again if you want um, to be the most informed Bucks fan around. But that's that's the cool thing is all of these are archived there on YouTube, yeah. so you can check those out. And we want you to subscribe too, John, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. You can go to Peter Report TV on YouTube and you can subscribe to our channel. Like Scott said, we're going live four days a week. Um, it's going to be, it's fun content every single week. We have guests coming up. We have a great guest coming up tomorrow that I'll talk about at the end of the show um, that I can't wait to have on the podcast. It's going to educate us all on defensive back play and the defensive backs for the Bucks. And so, yeah, it's going to be, it's a lot of fun on this podcast and we've been blown away. We've had, I think a thousand subscribers join in the last like three weeks or something yeah. like that, something crazy. So we're just, um, we're thrilled about it. But yeah, if you're tuning in, you're listening and you're loving it, you know, go to YouTube, hit subscribe, get that, click that bell, get our notifications for when we go live. Cause like we said, four days a week, we're bringing you great quality content, quality guests. And that's going to continue into draft season as well. We're going to have lots of awesome content to talk about in draft season that you're not going to get anywhere else in Bucks media um, or in national media. So uh, definitely tune in and and keep checking out this podcast and checking out this show for sure. John, speaking of media, Greg DeCruz, one of our, our um, longtime Buccaneer Magazine subscribers back in the day and has been a faithful pewterreport.com visitor and friend of the pod, has asked us which one of the Pewter Reporters would win the Angry Reporter Award, not Angry Run, of course. That's <laughs> that's how Brant's. That's uh, right. We, we know the answer to this. This He's is easy, right? Ginger. <laughs> which is a tip-off right there. Mark Cook right. is yeah. easily the ang angriest reporter at Peter Report. <laughs> it doesn't take much 
to get Mark Cook fired up. Uh, actually, John, you could probably mention Florida State football right now, and that would trigger yep. him. So it uh, doesn't take much to get me. Things. Well, yeah, and the he thing is – He doesn't even care about baseball, and today he was losing it about the race. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and uh, his nickname, after he reported, it. is the Angry Ginger. So it has to go to, uh, to Mark Cook. So we appreciate that question. Thank you. Yeah. No question about that. We've got Giants and Bucks coming up on Monday Night Football Week 8. Bucks with an awesome opportunity. I don't just say that because the Giants aren't that great this year to get uh, to get this season to six and two and going into a game against the Saints and going into really the hardest four games, I think, on yeah. their schedule outside of that Packers game and week one against the Saints, maybe going into the, the stretch of their schedule where they're going to need to be at their best, I think. And one of the things that we want to talk about, though, because I think Giants fan, or Bucks fans are all kind of looking at this and seeing a W, and I don't think that's necessarily the wrong way to look at it, but I do think it's worth talking about if the Giants are better than the record. Um, some of the things that we've seen this season, you know, obviously people talk about their, them being a bad team and they're one yeah. and six. And so they're usually at the bottom of all these power rankings. And I get that part and they're at the top of the draft order. And so I get that part. But if you look at their schedule, I mean, they've really played, they played the Steelers tough in week one. I mean, not yeah. offensively, the Giants couldn't really John, do much, right. but 26 it, it, to 16. 26 to 16. Bears and week two, 17 to 13. Threat. It was it was kind of a you know the Rams seventeen to nine the Cowboys they played tight I know the Cowboys aren't very good um, but they're the team that scored the most against them this season the Giants were able to find some offense in that game although everybody's done that against the Cowboys right. um, and then they were able to beat Washington the next week and then should have beaten Philly if Evan Engram yeah. just catches a, a pretty simple pass from Daniel Jones so I think they're a team that's played a lot more competitively than their record would imply but W's have been really hard to come by. No, you're right, and and I think that. The two when they when they faced some teams that 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 are that are truly better, I, I think they've they've gotten you know handed to uh, the the 49ers game um, kind of you know sticks out uh, you know when you've got what was that score uh, thirty six to nine you know so that, yeah. that's that that's a, a game that's the where, only they, one. where they they really got handed um, you know quite the L but you're right in these other games they're they're close and I think that speaks to the competitive balance in the NFL. I mean, mm-hmm. there's that that mantra any given Sunday, right? And and that does ring true. You do see some upsets from time to time in the NFL, but I think the biggest thing is is for Tampa Bay to lose this game, especially with an extra day of rest and preparation. Uh, th- they really have to play down to the level of their opponent. It would take mm. an A game from the Giants because I just don't think they've got the offensive weaponry. And I think when you look at the scores, right, I think that's the key thing, John. 16 points against the Steelers. That's a really good defense in, in, in Blitzburg, right? 13 points right. against a very good defense in Chicago. Nine points against uh, the 49ers, and I think the 49ers were a bit healthier back then, but still mm-hmm. only nine points. Nine points against the Rams defense and Aaron Donald. Now, they, they lit up the Cowboys, but as you mentioned, Everybody. Who doesn't light up the Cowboys? <laughs> Cowboys Mike Nolan yeah. defense is, is horrible. My, my good friend Rick Zoyce is a huge Cowboys fan, and he's a defensive-minded guy like I am. And he is lamenting at the fact that that Mike <laughs> Nolan is is there and doesn't know what he's doing. And the game's passed him by, and I agree. But 34 points, right, against that Cowboys defense. Then you, you look at the Washington Red, or I should say the Redskins. Sorry, old habits die hard. I grew up in D.C. So the Washington football team, they yeah. won that game 20 to 19, and then they lost by a point to Philadelphia 21, but points have just been so hard to come by for this Giants team. I just don't see them having the weaponry. John, it would take 
the Giants playing their A game and probably the Buccaneers playing their D game. And what I mean by that is just blown coverages, not getting pressure on Daniel Jones, letting him scramble around as he did last year in his first NFL start. It wasn't just the 336 passing yards and two touchdowns that beat the Buccaneers. It was the four runs for 48 yards and two touchdowns on the ground that did the right. trick. So it would take the Buccaneers really playing at, at their D game while the Giants playing their A game. I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I mean, here's I did this last week. Here's the list again. Here's the here's the list of stats that I have for the Giants offense. And let me tell you, Scott, there are not too many rankings in the NFL that don't start with a two for the Giants and a couple that start yeah. with a three. They are, they are 20th or 25th, I would say, and worse in almost every category that matters offensively. Any way you cut it, this team is yeah. just a horrendous offense, and they have been all season. And I say that thinking not I am I was not a believer in Daniel Jones coming out. I actually think he's been better than I thought he would be pre-draft. And he's I'm not saying he's good, he's not, but he's still better than I thought he would be. And I don't even think he's the main problem with this team and right. this I, offense. I would agree. The scheme and the offensive line are kind of where it starts, but this this team, I mean, 30th in offensive defense uh, or uh, defensive adjusted value uh, over average. So that's that football outsider stat that we talked about last time we did a preview show that just kind of takes in all these peripheral statistics and peripheral numbers and who they're going against and weights things differently. They're 30th in that, 29th in completion percentage, 31st in yards per attempt. So they don't hit big plays. 30th in 20 yep. plus yard pass plays, only 15 all season. The Bucs have 26. That's tied for fourth best. So the comparison between the two teams and the way they attack people, huge. Tied for 32nd. They only have one pass play of 40 yards or more all season yep. long, Scott. 26th in sacks allowed. They're 29th in turnovers. So they turn the ball over frequently. Bucs have are one of the top teams in forcing turnovers in the league. Um, 31st in red zone offense. That has been uh, just atrocious for yeah. them. This is going to blow your mind, Scott. Not, uh, I mean, I know you know that this offense isn't good, but they are last in home red zone offense. 16.7% oh, wow. of their red zone trips and their three home games have ended up in the end zone. This game is Whoa. at home for the Giants. That is the worst mark in the NFL. There are only four teams that are below 50% in the entire NFL. So <laughs> wow. that's like the threshold. And the Giants are not even at 17%, yeah. <laughs> like just atrocious at home in the red zone. Um, 31st in total yards per game, 30th in passing yards per game, 27th in rushing yards per game, 13th in penalties in the entire league. That's the one thing they can hang their hat on really is that. And they're respectable 18% on third down or 18th on third down percentage. But there really isn't anything. I mean, they don't even throw the ball deep. 13 yeah. deep ball attempts, 20 yards or more attempts this entire season, Scott. It, Second lowest of any quarterback that's played at least six, six games. Drew Brees is the only one who's thrown less than 20-plus uh, yards, uh, less times than Daniel Jones has. So it, it's kind I don't of know what this offense does to threaten you. Daniel Jones has got the arm to push the ball down the field, and he's got yeah. a receiver in Darius Slayton. Really, the right. only receiver that, that's been truly productive, right? 27 catches, 429 yards, averaging 16 yards per catch, three touchdowns. And, and really, he's it's it, yeah, he's good. And, mm -hmm. and it's going to be interesting because, you know, he's got two 100 yard games this year, came out of, the, out of the gate, looked really well against the Steelers. Now, their secondary is not the, their calling card, it's not the strength of Pittsburgh mm -hmm. against their front seven, but two catches on opening day for touchdowns, six overall for 102 yards. Um, he was instrumental in lighting up the Cowboys, eight catches for 129 yards. But the last couple of games, 
Against the Redskins, two catches, 41 yards, and a TD. And then against the Eagles, two catches, 23 yards. The interesting thing about that matchup is I think Carlton Davis draws him as uh, as you know as the 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 matchup to watch Bucks secondary versus versus their offense because the other guys I mean you look at, at just statistically throughout the year Golden Tate Sterling Shepard Evan Ingram those guys have less than 225 yards no one has got more than one touchdown on the season yeah. they've had some injuries for sure having Saquon Barkley be uh, you know placed on IR with the ACL tear in Week One certainly did Daniel Jones no favors Devonta Freeman's come in. He's been pedestrian, 172 yards and 54 carries, 3.2 yards. He has three yards. drops already, too, by the way, yeah. Scott. Yeah. Three one, drops. One <laughs> Remember touchdown. when the Bucs wanted yeah. to add him? And yeah. wouldn't that have been funny to have him in this running back room that all they do is drop the ball? I, I know. and But but the Dogs thing the is, is, when you look at 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 that matchup uh, between Carlton Davis, or maybe it's Jamel Dean, right? Maybe they, they, yeah. they, they, they see Padine on him because – one thing Darius Slayton can do is get down the field, right? A four three nine speed coming out. Dean has that four three five speed. Carlton Davis, if he's going to be matched on a, on a fast guy like Slayton, is going to have to really put his hands on him and and he would either at the line of scrimmage or within five yards and disrupt the route. Um, but interestingly enough, those guys, Dean and Davis and Slayton, all went to Auburn and played together. So yeah. so they know each other, and and that that's going to be an interesting battle between those two guys and Slayton because of their familiarity going against each other in practice quite a bit. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, this is an interesting matchup on a lot of levels in the, at the receiver cornerback position, I think, because Sterling Shepard was injured for a while and I do think he's a pretty solid player and he usually plays out of the slot, but Golden Mm -hmm. Tate will play there as well. And so you have a couple guys, I think that are, I honestly think it's a, it's a solid receiving trio one of the reasons that they haven't been able to be productive down the field and more productive in the passing game in general is the offensive line is just horrendous. I mean, the Giants took Andrew Thomas at fourth overall. Meanwhile, Tristan Wirfs has been by far the better player, not only Tristan Wirfs, but Mekhi Becton and Jedrick Wills Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, The other tackles taken uh, right behind Andrew Thomas in the draft. And so he has really struggled. The rest of the offensive line, Will Hernandez, they took a high second round pick on a couple years ago he has been really inconsistent and this has been one of his worst years Kevin Zeitler was the guy they traded for that was good last year and was supposed to anchor this group he's looked like the wheels are starting to come off for him so they just have not had quality offensive line play at right tackle Cameron Fleming should get destroyed by Shaq Barrett in this game Mm -hmm. Um, so that is one of the biggest issues so they've gone a little bit more to play action and it's been something that has been a little bit successful, not successful, according to when you compare it to the rest of the league. The Giants are still a terrible team at play action, despite doing it a decent amount, I think 13th most in the NFL, according to yeah. Pro Football Focus. But it's helped to alleviate a little bit of pressure on your offensive line because mm-hmm. you get the run fake and defensive linemen are reading the run a little bit. Um, and so it's keeping them from teeing off some. But this is still a team that gives up pressure at an astronomical rate. I mean, mm-hmm. Daniel Jones is just pressured so much 116 pressure dropbacks this year uh he is the the lowest percentage of his dropbacks are non-pressured in the entire league so he's pressured just constantly more than you're talking about daniel jones and let's not forget that devin white who just won the defensive player of the week award for his outstanding performance Mm -hmm. against the las vegas raiders 11 tackles a forced fumble career high three sacks didn't play in that game last year kevin minter played in that game and I love Kevin, but he's no Devin White when it comes to <laughs> having the speed on the field to track down a scrambling quarterback. And we saw Derek mm-hmm. Carr, who's probably not as as fast as 
as uh, Daniel Jones is in terms yeah. of being that running threat. And when I say running threat, I, I mean it. Daniel Jones, believe it or not, is not just the leading rusher. I'm sorry, the leading passer for the Giants. He's also the leading rusher. He's right. got 296 yards, averaging 9.5 yards. Of course, that was that big 80-yard run in there on Thursday night against the Eagles. But it's never good, John. Uh, unless your name is Lamar Jackson and for the uh, the Baltimore Ravens to have your your quarterback be your leading rusher as well right. as your leading uh, passer. But I think I think that is one thing Buccaneer fans can take away is is last year you didn't have um, that guy in the middle that could that could have that sideline to sideline speed and stop some of those big runs that Daniel Jones had against the Buccaneers from happening. They're going to have that now with Devin White, who's coming off a great week in, in Las Vegas. Yeah, that's a big advantage. Someone asked in here, and I missed the question, but someone asked if they think uh, Devin White would spy in this game, and I do think there'll be some of that. I also think yeah. he'll probably, you know, Daniel Jones is is a, is a scrambler, so that's why it's helpful to have a spy. He's not like they don't have they do it. They did have the designed run with him the other day, and I mm -hmm. think they're trying anything really to get a spark offensively. So you've got to yeah. got to be prepared for those wrinkles that a team's going to throw at you that's desperate. Like I said, I don't think beginning of the year they were using much play action, and now they've kind of ramped it up because they are figuring out they can't really do anything else and they have one of the lowest yards per averages off of play action so where the bucks are airing it out all the time off play action the giants are still dinking and dunking right. off play action and so i think the biggest thing for the bucks when the giants have the football is they have to just terrorize terrorize this giants yeah. offensive line you can't let them run the ball the giants already or the now, Giants are already not very good at running the football, but uh, the this Bucks defense is still you know on a record pace in terms of stopping the run, and so they need to continue that. But also pressure, you know, that's been I don't I would love to not have to blitz in this game if I'm the Bucks in order right. to get pressure. I mean, you would love for your guys to be able to just win straight up up front, and when they help with tight ends and pass protection, Evan Engram is one of the worst pass protecting tight ends in the league. So. You know, it's got to be a repeat of the of the Broncos game where Jason Pierre-Paul is running Noah Font right back into the quarterback for a sack. And it yeah. has to be that kind of dominance defensively, in my opinion, up front, because I, I think the Giants are a team, if Daniel Jones had more time, um, if he were able to get out of contain, that they could make some more plays maybe down the field. But it just hasn't happened this year. And the Bucs just got to well, basically continue those shutdown and, and you know what? Last year, and it wasn't enough because the Giants did come back for the win, but they got to Daniel Jones five times last year, including three mm -hmm. by Shaq Barrett. So uh, there, there's a little bit of a blueprint there, and I think Todd Bowles will ramp it up, and I think that every, he's going to listen to everything you said, of course, and um, and draw his own conclusions and, and understand that's the way you attack this Giants offensive line and Daniel Jones is to get him and, and stop him before he starts, before he starts scrambling, because he can't hurt you with his legs if he gets out. So I, I'm with you on that, and I think that they will do that. They did it last year, and I, I would say that you could probably pencil in this defense for at least five sacks this year. And I think this might be a game where Shaq Barrett kind of comes back to life a little bit. He's really been been missing out on those sacks that, that uh, you know, right now it, it seems like the Buccaneers and Jason Light, and they, they want – they want Shaq Barrett to succeed. Don't get me wrong, but mm -hmm. they, they look smart now in giving him the franchise tag and making him say, okay, prove that 19 and a half sacks wasn't a fluke. And I don't think they're looking for 19 and a half sacks. And I don't think Shaq right. Barrett's going to get anywhere near that. And I didn't think that was going to be the case before the season started, but I think Shaq Barrett can be a 10 to 14 digit sacker, you know, this year, I think he can get to 10 to 14 sacks, double digits. And, and I think that's what they expect from him. And this is one of those games where he's got to, you know, watch the tape from a year ago and 
try to duplicate exactly what he did. Right. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the Bucks are honestly so well suited if they're healthy to be able to have a great day defensively. We've talked about and we'll talk more about on the podcast with our with our surprise guest uh, on the podcast tomorrow about the defensive backfield. What's the right mix of talent? I have an article coming out about it uh, tomorrow on pewterreport.com. So check that out for sure. Um, but we've talked a lot about that. What's the right mix of talent to have on the field to be able to take advantage of opportunities defensively? That's It's an opportunistic defensive league. You're not going to go out and shut people down. Like even in the early 2000s, those Bucks defenses and the Ravens defenses and all those teams, like that's not going to work in today's NFL. You have to be opportunistic, create negative plays, create splash plays uh, for your defense with your defense. And there's a guy that helps him do that in Mike Edwards. And so I hope he gets some opportunities because Daniel Jones has shown that he will put the ball in harm's way pretty consistently. If there's one big thing I can knock on him for as a quarterback, it's that he takes sacks that he shouldn't, fumbles the yep. ball in a lot of those sacks, and throws a lot of interceptions and a lot of ill-advised passes. And so the Bucks need to have their opportunistic defenders in there to be able to oh, take yeah. advantage. And two and, of those guys I, are definitely Jamal Dean and Mike Edwards. I think that's going to happen. These guys, again, minus Devin White, were there last year. They suffered the second-half comeback by the Giants when they were up 18 points at halftime. And, and to your point, John, five touchdowns, seven interceptions this year, passing the ball for Daniel Jones. Right. Yeah. So it's one of the areas that I think that if if the Bucks can create some turnovers and short fields for their offense, even if the Giants defense, which we're about to talk about, plays really well, that's when it could get ugly is if the Giants don't protect the football because the Bucks have been doing a better job of that. Then you can probably than any time in the last five yeah. years for sure. And so yeah, I think I, that's I, the thing that they I have would, to take advantage. I would bet that that's going to happen. Yes, I would bet too. You know where I would bet, Scott? I would I know bet, with, bet our, with our friends over in my bookie. Of course. That's where I bet. You know, ever since I started out, people have been asking me for advice on all sorts of things. But when it comes to covering sports, it's usually, are the Bucks going to win this week? You know, What do you think about, uh, about this team and that team in the NFL? Well, the best piece of advice I can give to anyone is where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. So – it's why I always tell people to go to my bookie and not just because they're a sponsor and a loyal sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast and have been for years. They've got these deposit matches, free bets, huge cash prizes, all of that stuff for you to take advantage of all season long. NFL, check. College football, check. Plus, they got a mobile friendly website. It's easy to use, top of the line customer service, and it makes their platform the number one stop shop for all your betting needs. MyBookie offers action on everything from championship futures to NFL in-game live betting. So make sure that you've got every step covered, folks. Go to MyBookie. Sign up today. And when you do, use the promo code Pewter to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to 1000 bucks. It's a bonus that's designed to give you a little bit of help and start your winning at MyBookie. That's the promo code Pewter at MyBookie to claim your bonus. When you sign up with that initial deposit, stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bets, all the major sports and more await you. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. And John, I've, I've really uh, went heavy on, on the Buccaneers this week. Did you? I, I, I don't care smart. about the point spread. I, I went heavy on, right. on the Bucs. And, right. and, and also some college football. I'm not going to give you all my, my bets and stuff. I was going to say, don't. Uh, don't follow me for advice. Just go to my bookie and make your own decisions. I'm not giving you any type of gambling uh, pointers. I do it for fun and entertainment. I don't do it. I'm not as serious as some of these other guys. There's plenty of people on Twitter to follow for 
for all of that stuff. But um, but yeah, but sure. do your betting at my bookie because it's it's fun and easy to use and, and great. Absolutely. Uh, we all we'll, we'll get to some of these questions that we're getting. I know some people want to know about trade deadline stuff, and we'll talk about that and kind of what we're hearing and things like that. We'll touch on that as, after, as we wrap up talking about the Giants defense. Uh, so stay tuned for that for sure. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to mention for people who are jumping in here is that, A, we appreciate you jumping in here and watching and, and listening, but hit that subscribe on YouTube, Pewter Report TV. Hit that bell, get the notifications when we go live. Uh, it's a huge, huge help to us. Uh, big, big props to us and give us the thumbs up and all those different little props that you can give us uh, on um, on Twitter and on Facebook and on YouTube as well. That's a big, big help to us. And drop your questions in here right now. If you have some questions you want us to answer, drop them in and we'll get to them before the end of the show for sure. If you want to leave a super chat uh, donation question or um, anything or any other type of donation, that's up to you all. But uh, we greatly appreciate those as well. And I've appreciated lots of people doing that over the last few shows been a great great help to us um right now so uh giants d-line it's a four scott this was the most surprising thing to me as i researched this matchup i couldn't believe the giants were able to get pressure the way that they have this season i mean it's really kind of impressive considering the fact that i don't think there's a good pass rusher on the team they are seventh highest pressure percentage in the league they're tied for the eighth most sacks they blitz around the league average so it isn't just a blitz scheme they're getting pressure with these guys and i think it really John, starts with let's, the interior. Let, let's go down there and and tell us tell us who they are which which matchups are we going to see the tackles and the centers and guards and the defensive ends yeah. and the tackles well these numbers are a little bit misleading and here's why lorenzo carter was off to a pretty good start with the giants this season he had eight pressures i believe went down with a torn achilles so he's not mm-hmm. playing in this game marcus golden was probably their best pass rusher right. Still just an okay pass rusher, I think, but they traded him back to his original team, Arizona. Mm -hmm. So he's gone now, too. So both of their starting edge defenders from the beginning of the season are gone. Um, O'Shane Zimenez, who they were hoping would be another one of their starters or in their rotation, is out for the year, I believe. I know he's on injured reserve. Yes, from Old Dominion. And so he is also out for the year, so he is not going to play either. Um, and then the one guy that they still are leaning on is Kyler Fackrell, who was kind of like the third, fourth yeah. edge rusher in Green Bay for a long time. And he's been a solid pass rush player, a very poor run defender through most of his career. So he's one of the guys to worry about to a degree. I- I'm not – if the tackles have trouble you know, in this game for the Bucs, that, that's a problem. That's a problem. <laughs> one thing that's interesting the Giants are doing is they're taking Leonard Williams, and we'll talk about the D tackles here in a second because that's where they're really good. Uh, they're taking Leonard Williams, and they're putting him outside a little bit more over the last couple games without Lorenzo Carter and now without Marcus Golden. So he's rushing from the outside. So you can get some power rushes uh, from the outside. And they'll probably do that frequently against the Bucs since you don't really have to worry about right. contain against Tom Brady or anything like that. Um, you just have to you know try and get your best guys on the field. So I would bet you'll see him outside probably some against Tristan Wirfs and against, uh, against Donovan Smith. And it's a different type of player. So they have to be aware of that. But inside, you have Leonard Williams most of the time, especially on early downs. You have Dexter Lawrence, who was a first-round pick a few years ago. From you have Clemson. Dalvin Tomlinson, who was a second-round pick a few years ago, yeah. who might be the best of the group. And you have B.J. Hill, who was, I believe, also a second-round pick. Dave, Dave Gettleman, yes, Dave Gettleman 
loves his defensive tackles, as we know, yes. Scott, from his years in Carolina. This guy is obsessed with defensive tackles, and he'll add as many as he can. And he's got four good ones. There's no doubt about it. They stop the run really well on the inside. I think it's a it's a group that can be a force. They can push the pocket. None of them are great individual pass rushers, but they're all kind of solid and good enough, and they keep each other fresh with the rotation of bodies. So the interior offensive line going to have to absolutely be on their A game and pass protection, I think, because that's one thing that could disrupt the Bucs' uh, passing attack is if they can get pressure inside on Brady. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I'm going to talk about a guy because you really covered the defensive line really well. Believe it or not, you know the the Giants have got the 14th ranked total defense and the eighth best against the run. So there are mm-hmm. no slouches when it comes to stopping the run. I wouldn't be surprised at all. And I think that the Raiders' run defense was even worse than the Giants. But we saw how Tom Brady uh, really kind of attacked the the Raiders' defense uh, with 369 yards passing. They really didn't emphasize the running game a whole bunch. It was a one-two punch with Fournette yeah. and Ronald Jones. Uh, but I, I really feel like like they saw enough weaknesses in that secondary that that allowed Tom Brady to have a big day. They didn't have to really run the ball and have that 150-yard game that they did against the Packers. And I wouldn't be surprised if they take a similar tactic this week. And, and mm-hmm. it's not just those defensive tackles that do a good job of stuffing the run. It's also the guy behind them, Blake Martinez, who came over from the Packers in free agency. Right. And the thing about Martinez – is this is a guy that's the second leading tackler in the league, 73 stops for the year, um, and he's been consistent at stopping the run. A big-time run stopper up in Green Bay for years. He had three straight years of 144 tackles or more. So it's really those tackles inside and also Martinez. So uh, if the Buccaneers can get 100, 125 yards rushing uh, in this game, more power to them because the Buccaneers, John, they don't go outside a lot. It's mostly right. an interior between the tackles running game, and that's kind of running into the strengths of this Giants uh, defense. So it will be interesting to see what gives way here. But I, I think the Buccaneers probe the middle of that defense, but I think that they're, they're going to have enough success with the weaponry, even without Chris Godwin. I think mm-hmm. Scotty Miller, I think uh, Rob Gronkowski, I think Tyler Johnson, who's emerging. These guys are going to be enough to get the job done through the air and also Leonard Fournette coming out of the backfield. Uh, interesting that – Mike Evans has got his old friend Kryptonite uh, going up against him. James Bradbury yeah. who really gave Evans some struggles for years. Uh, and I did some research on here that I want to share with you guys. So in seven matchups in Carolina, when James Bradbury was the Panthers' top shutdown cornerback, he held Evans to just 31 catches for 402 yards and one touchdown. That breaks down to an average of four catches for 57 yards per game. That's, mm-hmm. that's well below Mike Evans' average. And uh, yeah. maybe not this year because Evans has, has struggled with injuries and, and there's Tom Brady just yeah. throwing the ball elsewhere. But that's right. one thing to really watch is, is Martinez shutting down the run and then Brady going you know to the air to beat this Giants team. I think it's going to happen. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, Evans looked healthy last week. He looked really healthy again and he was making, I mean, he was getting open and I thought, you know, I mean, again, single coverage when the few opportunities that he had, and even he was beating the corner a lot of time and just had safety help over the top. I mean, like I said, from like I said last year, the Raiders knew they didn't have a corner who could hold him and they played defense like that and they you know, played uh, about as safe as you could against Mike Evans and it just cost them elsewhere. And so Bradbury going to be a heck of a challenge for Mike Evans, but I agree with you on that, Scott, is that the passing attack for the Bucs 
if they try and establish the run in this game, I think it's going to be a slow start offensively. I just don't think the Giants – I don't think the Bucks have consistently run the ball well enough. They've had little right. stretches where they run it well, but they're still a team that's built around the pass, and that's what they're going to be. And the Giants are a team that's built to stop the run. They built up the mm-hmm. middle. That's what they That's what they do, and that's where the Bucs try to run. So it is interesting. With Chris Godwin out, it's kind of like strength on strength a little bit because you know the yeah. Bucs have tried to run the football more this year, and the Giants have stopped it well. James Bradbury's had success against Mike Evans. I think the Giants go into this game thinking if we can succeed somewhere, it's defensively, we can stop this team maybe a little bit as good as the Bucs offensive played, especially without Chris Godwin. Now, the emergence of Rob Gronkowski makes things difficult. The Giants' other corners have been horrendous this season. Their safeties are some of the worst safeties in the league. And so there are opportunities here for Rob Gronkowski and Scotty Miller to have big games as well. If there's a, you know, you talked about the good things with Blake Martinez. And I've got a Blake Martinez story for you, Scott. I promised okay. you I'd tell you this. But Let's do it. At the Senior Bowl a few years ago, mm-hmm. I, I was my first Senior Bowl, and Blake Martinez and I sat down uh, for an interview. And I mean, I cannot say enough positive things about the guy. He was like talking to somebody I'd been friends with forever. You know, when you get that with a player, like every yes. once in a while, you get a player who like has no idea they're about to be a top pick, famous, and all these things. And this guy was just as approachable as it gets. And so. After the interview, you know, I see that later that night. I think that he follows me on Twitter and, you know, I follow him back. And so we've chatted on there at times over the years. And he goes to Green Bay and he's, you know, he starts off, he's playing better than people. I think he was a third or fourth round pick and mm-hmm. he's playing better than people expect. And he's playing well. And, you know, then it starts to nosedive a little bit. Steam start to figure out how you can beat him. He's not very good in coverage, you know, match up yep. with him in coverage. You could take advantage of him, put him in bad situations. And then toward the end of his time in Green Bay, I was like, no way they're bringing this guy back. He's going somewhere else. It's just how it's going to be. Um, and it was clear. And he wasn't playing well at all last year. T- fans were kind of getting on him. And I got a lot of questions about him for just because I was covering the league as a whole. You know, do we think the Packers yep. should replace him? And I avoided saying anything because Mike Martinez follows me on Twitter. We hadn't interacted for a couple of years much. And I was just like, what if he sees it? You know, I just feel bad. Like, you know, maybe he thinks we're boys. I don't know. And one time I answered one question. I don't remember if I forgot or just, I just said something about how he hadn't played well. Did he block you? And a couple of days later, something happened. He got, he got retweeted. I clicked on his name and I saw he didn't follow me anymore. And I was like, <laughs> oh, Mike Martinez, oh, come on, funny. man. Like, you got to have thick skin. And so. We'll see if he gets lit up the, on on uh, on Monday night, but I mean, I think that if you can attack him one way, it's with the pass. And I know he doesn't Agreed. like to hear that, maybe, but um, you know, I think you can have success against this guy through the air, um, yeah, and that's I where agree. the Bucks, I think, will, will look to attack him if I, if I'm Tampa Bay. Yeah, and a very similar player to to Devin White in the fact, just much better going forward than in reverse at this stage. But uh, but Devin White clearly a, a faster player, better athlete, yeah, uh, than Martinez. Uh, you know, what did Devin White run four four? You know, right. coming out, Blake Martinez coming out of Stanford, fourth round pick. Martinez four, really seven, needs to four, be seven, clean one. too. Yeah, right. This is why this is like a perfect situation for him because yeah. he's got so many good defensive tackles in front of him, and that's why he's been able to uh, really thrive against the run because he's a smart player and he's a good yeah. tackler. You just got to keep him clean to get him yeah. there. And I, I wouldn't be, if I'm I the Bucks, yeah, I'm going when, through the air. I'm using those over yeah, John, you go three wide, right? In this game, you you. You, yeah, you, you really put them in nickel the whole game. I think, yep. and I, I think you, I think yeah. that helps running the ball. And I and I know sometimes that that uh, you know this team wants to run the ball. Tampa Bay wants to run the ball, and they get thirteen personnel out there. And I like, the, I do like the the use of Joe Haig, who's been yeah. much better as a blocking tight end than either Cameron Brait or Tanner Hudson for obvious reasons. But mm-hmm. I'm just always been a fan of running out of out of three wide receiver sets, four wide, spread defenses out, right. 
You go hat on a hat. You know, you, you eliminate the extra safety in the box. You go hat on a hat. Let the running back find the hole and, and, and go. That's how you do it. Right. I agree. And I think that if you're Tampa Bay and you're looking to have success, they've been doing that a little bit more. And in, in recent weeks, the Joe Hague usage has been, has been better than having another tight end in there, I think. But they've also, you know, that kind of when he comes into the game, they've only thrown, I think, maybe once in the last couple of weeks. So it kind of tips teams off. And I do think there's something to be said about spreading the field a little bit more. And with all the wide receivers they have. Why not? Teams are going to say they're not going to want to cover those guys with safeties. If you put Antonio Brown and Scotty Miller and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin out there, you think teams aren't going to want to try and get four corners on the field? You know, they are. And so if you force teams into dime situations, I mean, I think that you have just bad run defense on the field. Like you're just limiting the amount of players who can make plays against the run. And so I would love to see them operate that way. We'll see if it happens. I think on Sunday, on Monday night, the over routes that we talked about, I wrote about this past week in Bucks briefing. Great breakdown. They're going to be there. (laughs) He and Scotty Miller have torn up teams and the giants just do not have good safety play. And that's an important part of that. Uh, They haven't had good. John, they might be missing. I don't know. Washington might be sad that they signed him too. He's out for the year now. I think, I I, I think Washington's going to be missing him too with that torn Achilles, but, uh, but yeah, for sure. Um, Listen, folks, uh, we got some some breaking news here. We are almost to November, right? I mean, we're like literally days away. Halloween's coming up on Saturday. That's October 31st. November 1st is supposed to be the last day, I believe, of hurricane season. Uh, but the thing is, is we have a, a tropical storm that's going to be coming in the Gulf of Mexico here this week. So storm season is still here. Don't wait to review your insurance policies. If you listen to the last Peter Report podcast, you know I did it. I finally called Briar Greaves Insurance, and I got a call scheduled tomorrow with Sam and Briar Greaves to go over the, my existing policy with another company, and they, they said they got some great news for me, so I'm, I'm excited to hear it. So, But, but Briar Greaves Insurance, these are it's a family-owned business that has served the, the greater Tampa Bay area for 30 years. So if you need home, auto, boat, life, commercial insurance, flood insurance, there's one place to go. Our good friends at Briar Greaves Insurance. A lot of homeowner companies are canceling or not renewing their policies. I'm kind of going through that myself right now. Uh, they're leaving Florida. They're increasing in, increasing the premium rates. Uh, but y- you can stop all of that by calling Briar Greaves and speaking directly to Sam or Briar for that personalized touch when it comes to the information and the best insurance rates. The folks at Briar Greaves are big Buck fans. They have been for years. They're proud sponsors of the Peter Report podcast on PeterReport.com. So why would you go anywhere else? Visit BriarGreavesInsurance.com or give them a call at 813-876-4166. That's 813-876-4166, BriarGreavesInsurance.com. You'll be glad that you did. Absolutely. And we are going to take some of these questions, then give our predictions. Steve Munoz, appreciate appreciate the donation there. Uh, always shouting out our fans who, uh, who throw us a little bit of a donation. Really appreciate y'all. Uh, Toby wants to know chances of Eric Rett getting some touches this Monday. Can they get Eric Rett in the game? <laughs> uh, I love throwback football. We, we need to do like a throwback football pod, like talk about all, cause I collected football cards as a kid, Scott. I, I'm not kidding you in our attic. We, I've got 40,000 football cards. I mean, that's not oh a joke. Goodness. Like, Whoa. I mean, I knew every player in the league name, number, like, all of it is crazy, you know, for every team too. It wasn't just Steelers, like right. you know, I, every, every single team is represented. And so 
Yeah, I love the throwback football. I see some other names getting thrown around in here as well. Here's well, an interesting, interesting comment by Christian, yeah. too. Chris Godwin and Mike Evans have been hurt literally all season, and yet Brady has 18 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Against the Raiders, Brady used nine different receivers, and that group has been improving in every game so far. So true. We don't talk about that enough. Brady's yeah. been able to do with a constant rotation of bodies. Now without Chris Godwin, this will be the fourth game out of eight this season, not to have one of your best yeah. players. And John, I mean, it's crazy. 18 touchdowns, only four interceptions. And the reason why is he's adhering to what Bruce Arians wants from him, which is throw to the open guy. It doesn't matter who it is. That's why Mike yeah. Evans hasn't really been targeted that much because there are there are open guys. There are better options, better matchups mm-hmm. uh, elsewhere. And you're seeing that with 369 yards and four touchdowns against the Raiders and Mike Evans only having a couple catches. So yeah. uh, it, that's, that's legit. And I think that's what got Jameis Winston in trouble so much was – trying to force feed Mike Evans the ball, trying to force feed Chris Godwin the ball and OJ Howard the ball. And, you know, uh, Tom Brady doesn't care if he's throwing to a rookie Tyler Johnson or Scrub McGee, right? I mean, he will throw the ball. If you're it's open, true. you're going to get it. So it doesn't right. matter what the, the name on the back of the jersey is. doesn't matter what the, the number on the front is. You're going to get the ball. And I think it's just a testament to Tom Brady's uh, willingness to listen to Bruce Arians and just take what the defense gives you. Yeah, absolutely. It's been been good coaching by Aaron's honestly to get to that point, and I think that that's something that didn't ha- just didn't happen with Winston. Like you think Winston's yeah. taking that third and thirteen check down to Leonard Fournette the other day? You know no. when when the Raiders drop everybody off? No, no he's trying to throw I it. need eighteen he, yards, and, and I'm, I'm going to try right. to force it in there, right? And, right. Brady understands sometimes to get that you have to go underneath, and that's what's yeah. kept this offense on John, track. Honestly, Todd Munkin, who was the the former offensive coordinator and receivers coach here in Tampa. Had had a yeah. great yeah. quote, great line, and, and he he didn't um, come up with it, right? Right in in the NFL, you borrow from the best, you steal, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know who came yeah. up with it, but he said every drive has to end in a kick. And what that means is it has to end at an extra point, it has to end in a field goal, or it has to end in a punt. It can't end mm-hmm. in an interception or a fumble if you want to be successful. Right. It's a great point, and they've adhered to that completely this yeah. season and really throughout Brady's career. Good yeah. question here from uh, W. Thomas Coral. Do you put Godwin in the slot with Evans and have Miller and A.B. on the outside um, with Evans? I'm not sure. Uh, okay, so I think what he's trying to ask is here, does Godwin play in the slot? Yes, Godwin will continue to play in the slot. I would not expect that to change. But yeah. Godwin also can play outside, and they use a lot of – stacked releases and things like that. And, and AB is very familiar with that. Uber Sarians used them in Pittsburgh. Todd Haley used them a ton in Pittsburgh. Right. And so AB can play inside or outside as well. AB can play any of the receiver spots, really. I mean, Evans is still going to be primarily the X for sure, but mm-hmm. you're also going to have, you've already seen Evans move to the slot more this season than yeah. really ever before, except maybe his rookie year. And so right. you've already seen that happen. That'll and, and continue you know to happen. And, and we Scotty saw- will most likely outside though. Yeah, he will. You're right. And, and I, gosh, I think that's the the big misnomer uh, is is people automatically, for some reason, right, equate <laughs> Scotty Miller to Wes Welker Julian and Edelman. Julian Edelman, right? And he's he's not; he's an outside receiver. He's a speed guy. Scotty, Mil- the target Scotty Miller, yeah, right? Scotty Miller has good quickness, but he's yeah. he's not that stop on the dime, quick twitch, you know, guy that that uh, that Edelman uh, is and and that Wes Welker was. He is a you know, four, three, nine burner type guy, speed demon down the field, go routes, post routes. Uh, he that's that's where his bread is buttered, and I think that that's just a big misnomer. But I, I think to you know to, to the point with AB is he's got to get 
acclimated to this offense. I don't think you're going to see Antonio Brown come in and make a huge impact right away, although I, to his credit, he did that up in New England. One one game, four catches, 56 yards, and a touchdown. So, um, you know, we'll see what I'll happens. See. But but uh, I, I'd, I'd be shocked if, if the A.B. comes out and lights it up against the Saints, but we'll see. Yeah. And realistically, you know, as much as I might talk about four wide receiver sets, you are not going to see any team in four wide receiver sets that often. You'll see, hopefully, the Bucs do it more than the league average. But mm-hmm. you just, we're not quite there yet. There's some teams that are doing it more. We've seen the Chiefs do it more in recent years. Seen the Rams do it some. There's some teams that have inched their way there. I think Arians has certainly done it more than most over the years. And so yeah. I'm sure we'll see it. Um, but so most of the time, we're still talking about three receiver sets. God, and it's those deadly situations. to think about, is it not? I mean, having Scotty Miller and Antonio Brown and Mike Evans and Chris Goblin on the field at the same time. I mean, that's it is. tempting, is it not? There, there were times in the even the game against the Raiders where they had everybody obviously except AB out there. And I was honestly, there were so many people open on certain plays that I wondered if it would make it harder for like for a quarterback. And there were some times where people were like, Mike Evans, you know, the big pass to Gronkowski down to the four-yard line uh, yeah. where he got hit by Jeff Heath after he caught the ball. On right. that play, Mike Evans open for a touchdown, and Scotty Miller's on an over route across the field, and he's open for a touchdown. Like he, I mean, either way, you can make any of those throws, and it's a, a touchdown. But they blew the coverage on Gronkowski, so Brady right. made the. I mean, he saw there's nobody covering this guy. The other guys just beat their guys, but nobody was covering Gronk, so he threw it to Gronk. But I've seen people say like, "Oh, he could have hit Mike Evans for a touchdown." I saw him saying during the game like, "Mike Evans was open for a touchdown." Gronkowski was open at the four and nobody was even covering Gronkowski. So it's like he made the right decision, but you're right. There were other guys obviously wide open too. You know, he's getting, he doesn't have time to go through all of that, you know? And so that's where people are going to constantly say that I think throughout the rest of the year, because they just have uh, an unbelievable arsenal of talent. And and so, uh, yeah, there's a lot to it. Um, yeah. I, I got to give a shout the, out to Buccaneer Bruce from my old stomping rounds in Overland Park. He's coming to us live from an, an old jeans West store. I used to work at Oak Park Mall at uh, Chess King and um, what was the other? County Seat. John, you probably don't remember those. Although, if you watch no. if you watch Stranger Things, the last season where a lot of that that uh, those shows took place at the shopping mall. The shopping mall was a big deal back in the eighties and nineties. We had the shopping mall. That was the big thing. You went to the mall. It is one of my favorite things when you go to this voice. Yeah. And the cool thing is they had they actually had Chess King there right next to the Orange Julius, which was badass. I was like, yes, I used to work at Chess King. So, that's pretty, funny. Appreciate it. Appreciate and, the, that. and that's in trip that's down memory lane. This, that's near this Jeans West. I think so. Yeah, I, okay. my memory serves it's close by. So yeah, it's that's funny. By wow, it's small world. Small world. Uh, somebody asked, "Where's Shady?" And somebody commented in response. Here, I'll show him on the show. Where's Where's Shady? And someone said. Shady is on the sideline where he belongs. Ha ha. Could not agree Ooh. more with that one. Yep. CGTV. Do not put this and you guy know what? in the game. It, and credit to Bruce Arians for, for coming out and stating the obvious, which is mm. Leonard Fournette is the nickelback now. And and I, yep. I think it was only a matter of time before that. And John, you're not a huge fan of, of Leonard Fournette catching the ball because the production isn't there, but I, I, I am now. Once I've I seen think, the rest of the group, I yeah. am now. <laughs> <laughs> I think you would agree that, that in this group of running backs, Leonard Fournette <laughs> deserves to be the guy out there. Yep. One of the one of the biggest things I've learned in analysis is once once you get the your group size down, you know, and you know what the rest of the group's capable of, somebody you find else's the best skill of the worst, set, right? That's right. Somebody else's skill set in an area can look a lot better compared to everybody else. And so, yeah, I'm I'm a Fournette catching the ball fan now for sure. 
Right. Um, we've got to get to our predictions on the show. We appreciate a lot of the questions. Hopefully we got to some of those in the comments. Yep. Got to get to our predictions on this show, Scott. I want you to go first. I do have some points I want to make, but I want I want okay. you to have the opportunity to go first here and talk about how you think this game's going to unfold. Well, we've seen some some massive blowouts, right? We've seen thirty eight to ten against a really good Green Bay, Green Bay team, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Thirty eight straight points after going down ten nothing in the first quarter. We saw the Buccaneers really pull away in the fourth quarter with with a twenty one point fourth quarter uh, against the Raiders and won that game forty five to twenty. So those are those are two wins that were by twenty five points or more, John. That's never happened before in the Buccaneer franchise's history. Not even in 1999 when this, this team went to the NFC uh, championship game. Not even in the Super Bowl year in 2002 did they have uh, margins of victories like that. I don't think they're going to quite get there. I think they have the ability to, but I think there's something to this Giants team kind of keeping it a little bit closer than, than you mm-hmm. would like. right? I believe in what you're saying. I think the scores bear that out. Um, I, I think that Tampa Bay will struggle to run the ball uh, a little bit. And, and I, I think that not having that balance, uh, and I think, too, that with Bradbury doing a number on Mike Evans in the past, if it was a, a full 100% healthy Mike Evans, I'd like that matchup better. I'm going to give Bradbury the edge, though, right now, because I don't think Evans is at 100%. Uh, so and without Godwin, I think that you're looking at at 30 points for the Buccaneers, 30 to 17. It's going to be a 13-point margin of difference. Buccaneers still score enough to cover the spread, which I like for my bet on my bookie. I think I, I think I had the Bucks at minus 11. Uh, so I, mm. I do I do like I do like the Buccaneers covering the spread, but I don't think it's going to be that that huge blowout that some people are looking at as the one-win Giants take on a hot five and two Tampa Bay Buccaneer team. It'll be closer yeah. than people expect, but still, it's going to be a win, and that's going to be key as this team has a short week to prepare against the New Orleans Saints coming to town for a Sunday night football game the next week. Yeah, I also think the Bucs win. Um, I feel confident that they win, and they really need to win, by the way. If the Bucs were to lose this game, it would be very disappointing. <laughs> this yeah. is one they got to take care of business because they've got four tough ones coming up, and you know, I think you know we'll talk about those games when the time comes, but four tough ones before – uh, the bye and the Saints and the Panthers and the Chiefs and the Rams. Uh, those will be, yeah. you know, four of their toughest games of the season. And so, um, we'll we'll continue to talk about those games as they get closer. But I think going four and zero in those games would be amazing. Um, I don't know if you expect that necessarily going in. So, win this game to stay ahead of the Saints in that division. I think it's going to be huge. Take care of business. Do I think it'll be the most impressive performance of the season offensively? No, I think, but I think they'll be suffocating defensively. Yeah. I think Shaq Barrett has two sacks in this game. I think the Bucs as a team get five sacks. Uh, I think tons of pressure throughout the game. Um, Jason Pierre-Paul, so it's a good game. I just think that the Bucs have to come out and just try and blitz that. I mean, I think they just make Daniel Jones so uncomfortable and put the offense so behind schedule um, that the they really have a hard time getting going and they have to abandon the run. Now, mm-hmm. the one thing offensively, I do think it'll be a slow start. I do. I think the Bucs haven't really started that fast uh, in, in recent weeks. Um, and I think this will be another one of those situations without Chris Godwin where the Giants defense has played well enough that I think that they can the, – I bet the Bucs come out and try to run the football, and I bet it doesn't work early on. I think imagine late in the that. game – Imagine they, that. Yeah, imagine that. Establish the run, <laughs> run on first down, bang their head against the wall. Right. It didn't work. Imagine es- that, John. Establish that pass. Establish That's the right. pass in this game. I think they do establish it late in the game. I think Mike Evans ends up having a big game. That's my bold really? prediction for this yeah. game. He has not done well against James Bradbury, I know. 
And I know without I, Chris Godwin, it's going to be harder, but I think he tears it up. I think he makes, I, I think he I owns James Bradbury wow. and gets the bragging rights. Wow. I think he turns the, the national narrative. Whoa. Mike Evans isn't producing this season. Okay. I think he flips it on his head on Monday night. Big game. I hope you're right. He scores. For, I hope you're right for Mike's sake, because you know, I'm a big Mike Evans fan as a player and a person. He deserves success. I know he's had a kind of a rough yeah. couple of weeks. Uh, statistically, he doesn't care. He wants to win. He's winning. Uh, but, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Remember, I picked 30 to 17, the Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if Brady throws a pick six to James Bradbury trying to force the ball to Mike because he feels bad about that. That's one thing that Brady even said in, in the uh, the conference call today was that he he needs to do a better job of getting Mike some more targets. And we heard that from Arians also on Monday. So whenever that happens, when, you're gonna, when you try to force feed a guy, you, you get into last year's mentality. We saw how that worked out for, for Jameis Winston. So I... I you know, if if Mike Evans is open, throw him the ball. But um, I'm not saying that he's going to throw a pick six, but I wouldn't be surprised in this game if, mm. if they try to force it to Mike Evans. And that's not a good idea. James Bradbury is a good cornerback, has three interceptions. Uh, this year, James Bradbury might be ups. the best cornerback in the NFL this year. I mean, that's right how now, he's yeah. been. Yeah. But Mike Evans is going to get him. Watch. Tell okay. him. Final score right. is not going to be that great, though. 24 to 9. I think the Bucks kind of you feel wow. comfortable okay. about it the whole time. You feel uncomfortable about it, but they kind of have the lead the whole game. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think the Giants score a touchdown, not okay. against the Bucks defense. I mean, their their red zone offense, as bad as it is, Bucks defense playing well. Uh, and I think they're gonna be a little bit ticked about last week and the way that uh, their defense didn't necessarily play as well as I think that they should have and they're used to. Um, and I think that uh, they come out a little bit triggered in this game, and, and I think that the, the Giants catch it. Might be a thing where they're a little ticked about last year too, allowing Daniel mm. Jones and the Giants to mount that huge second half comeback. That still sticks in the craw of of a lot of guys, especially in the secondary. Mike Edwards, Jordan Whitehead, Jamel Dean, Sean Murphy Bunting, Carlton Davis. Those guys, you know, were were on the receiving end of of those right. those uh, big plays that allowed the Giants to come back last year and win the game. Yep, absolutely. And so I think it's a different script this time around. Giants or Bucks defense takes control of the game start to finish, even when the offense maybe sputters a little bit. That group's going to be good enough to win John, this speaking game. Of, speaking of start to finish, set the table for next week because there's no game on Sundays. So, you know, enjoy your Sunday, folks. We're not going to be doing a Pewter Report podcast after the game on Sunday because the game is Monday night, as your Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in Monday night football. So what's the schedule yeah. for next week, John? Yeah, that's a great point. We're going to be going live Monday after the game, Tuesday at 4 p.m., Wednesday at 4 p.m., Thursday at 4 p.m. So we'll be on our normal schedule, except we'll be Monday after the game, and then Tuesday we will have a podcast. We will have a live show, uh, whereas normally we don't have one Tuesday, and we have one Wednesday, Thursday. Wednesday, Thursday stay the same. We've got the show on live show on Tuesday next week, and we've got Monday after the game. Stay up late with us. We're going to have good content. I'm telling you, most of y'all set up up late with us. The other night when we were on, we had an unbelievable show on Sunday night after the game. And so we're going to have a great show again after the Monday night game. We're going to have a lot of Bucks giants to talk. So, And and I think what we're going to do is is we typically wait until we do the post-game press conferences. We get a couple stories up, and then we hit you with Mm -hmm. the Peter Report podcast. Because this is is a Monday night game, we will be coming at you live uh, pretty much right after those conference calls. So I would would suspect about – 20 to 30 minutes after the end of the game, look mm-hmm. for the Peter Report podcast on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you watch us, and uh, and join in. You know, uh, skip work on Tuesday, right? Uh, call in sick, do whatever you want, stay up with us. We're going to be breaking down, which should be 
John, another Buccaneers win to get this team to 6 and yep. We'd certainly hope so. And if you're wondering if you'll remember to do that on Monday night, just go to our account, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell uh, on Pewter Report YouTube account, Pewter Report TV, and hit that bell and get the notifications for when we go live. So that can remind you, uh, and you don't even have to remember. So, and you can just enjoy the game Excellent. and then tune in afterward. And so, and we appreciate y'all tuning in. We appreciate the subscriptions, the donations, all that stuff has been great. Love having y'all in the chat and being able to answer some questions and interact with y'all. It's been really, really fun. Yeah. So uh, keep listening, and we appreciate y'all. So for myself, John Ledger, and Scott Reynolds, we say so long, and thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. Out. Out. <laughs>